You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Let's get into the other conversation. Um, I see some of the comments, questions, guys, you're sending us. Please continue to submit those. We see them. We'll try to address them later on in the show. But let's get into the second discussion. And this is a pretty interesting one. Um, Every year, there's a list of what's known as the blue chip ratio list. And basically what this list is, guys, and, and, and help me out if I get something wrong here, but it's basically a list of the 15 teams who have a chance to win a national title based on the number of blue chips currently signed to their program or on their roster, right? And one of the things that's interesting about this is unless you're a JUCO, they typically don't count transfers because of how the recruiting classes are structured uh, year in and year out. So we want to show you guys what the latest, the 2022 recruiting uh, or the blue chip ratio list looks like. And it's as follows. Now, Mike G's not here with us, so I, I can't get his uh, his famous drum roll. But here it goes anyway. <laughs> if you notice, obviously at the top, you're going to see kind of the usual suspects, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, followed by Oklahoma. I'm curious to see how they look over over the next few years with a new regime there. Um, of course, that's a program that that's going to recruit itself anyway, but it's always curious to see how they look uh, with a new coaching change. A&M is at 70%, followed by Texas, which I expect them to continue to recruit at a high level. Um, LSU's behind them with 66%, followed by Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida, Oregon, Michigan, Penn State, Miami, which, given their new head coach, I expect them to be on this list moving forward regularly. But look who comes in at 15 Oh, Auburn at 54%. These are teams who have signed more blue chip recruits than than none over the last four classes. Ike, you've had some you've had some pretty strong thoughts about this. What do you make of this list? Treat your boys. Chill Boys underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys underwear will help you keep the boys close, uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Um, so th- there's a couple of things that I think when we talk about the blue chip. So it's four-star and five-star recruits, right? So like mm-hmm. percentage of your roster comprised of those two. Um, there's a few things that I think about this. Um, it's, it's a shame 
that we think of our roster so lowly. I just hear so many people talk about how little talent we have on our roster. And listen, it's not like we're in the top five. So I'm not saying that we are the most stellar of talented programs in the country. But to be in a position that we are in, which I will have to give credit to the previous staff for this, right? Like the current staff can't take credit for this. They haven't been around for four years. Um, There's not four years of recruits for this. Um, Most of this is going to be due to our defense, which is evidenced by how good our defense has been over the last six, seven years, right? Um, But we have talent on this team, and I just get so tired of people saying we are talentless on this roster when it's clear that that's not true. And I get that you want to, like, if you're looking at comparatively within the SEC, uh, there is Bama, Georgia, A&M, LSU, Florida, all above us on this list, just in our conference, right? So it's a tough conference. So we, but my point is that we do have talent on our roster. It's more so about, for me, over the last year specifically, how much of that talent was bought into the new system that we had in place, right? So it's not just, man, we had a bunch of talent and we finished six and seven last year. Brian Harson must not be a good coach. No. It's, we have a lot of talent on this roster. How much of that talent is bought in and, and fits well with what this new coach wants to bring in? Like you mentioned Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma's high on this list, but how much of that talent, number one, is going to stay on Oklahoma, but number two is going to fit with whatever new system Venables wants to implement there at Oklahoma? He's going to want to bring in a bunch of defensive guys. Do those exist at Oklahoma right now for him to be have the talented defenses that he's known to put out for Clemson? Are people going to all of a sudden say Coach Venables can't coach defense if Oklahoma doesn't make some astronomic leap in year one defensively? So I just think that the thing that I want to say in regards to blue chip talent is, number one, let's erase the narrative that Auburn has no talent. That's just not true. But number two, I want us to get into a position where we start to understand that it's not just about how much talent you have. It's continuity and it's buy-in. There's a portion of that that has to happen in order for that team to be successful. But we are not in the doldrums of college football in the, and have this dearth of talent that people want to proclaim that exists. So in other words, what I'm hearing from you, and I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you your thoughts in a minute, B, even if we have to pull it back up. But mm-hmm. in other words, fans should be encouraged by hearing, if, you, if you're listening to the interviews that we're having with our players, if you're listening to the conversation we've had with Brian Harson, the messaging that we're receiving is that players are buying in. Right. And you add that to what outlets feel about our talent level, you should be encouraged and hopeful for this year as opposed to doom and gloom. I mean, right. you should at least be in a wait and see mode, right? Like I, I get anybody not wanting to jump on the, we are going to you know, go undefeated. I'm not there, right? But if you're in a position where you're saying to yourself, we're going to be terrible this year and we'd be lucky to have four wins. I'm like, where, how, where, what are you looking right. at to, to get you to feel like that? Again, we have talked to, I don't know what the number is now of players that are on this current roster a lot of them have had a carryover between the previous regime and this current regime. And I'm telling you, to a person, they've said, 
this is the best that I've felt about our chances going into the season since I've been here. It's just it just feels different this year. I'm gonna take the word of those guys. How's that not encouraging? It's encouraging. It's encouraging. <laughs> it's uh, um so it's encouraging. If if anybody wanted to be negative about talent that we have here, it's not because we don't have talent. It's that compared to our immediate rivals and our most frequent competition, right. we have significantly less talent. And as we've all noted, those blue these, these blue chip ratings are based on signees mm-hmm. over the last four years. We were not exactly hitting. Right. Over the last, well, over Gus's tenure, um, and we will have some time to bear out how, how that's worked for Harson in the first two cycles as, as time goes on. But uh, what's his name? He ended up at Troy playing cornerback, but he came in as a four-star running back. I can't oh, think of his name right now. Yeah. Um, Devin Barrett. Barrett. Um, Matthew Hill. Um, let me see who else. I think Malik Willis was actually a three-star, but yeah. He didn't get a shot here, and now he's in the NFL. Um, Offensively, players have not panned out. They have not fulfilled their potential based on their star rating on the offensive side of the ball. And that has happened frequently, really, over the last eight years. Um, I think we saw there was one service who ranked or rated transfers. Bo Nix may have come in a five-star quarterback. He did not leave out rated as a five-star prospect. As a transfer, I think he was like a high three, low four mm-hmm. or something like that. The players that they brought in here, now they may have contributed to this nice total of, oh, we're in top 15. Yeah, but really? You you think that holds up? And so some of that is on evaluation. Who are you pr- prioritizing? I think we talked about it earlier. We are talking about quarterbacks. The day I was ready to get rid of Gus Malzahn, Tyler Queen over Lamar Jackson. Hey, buddy, listen, you got to go. You blew it. One guy went, won a Heisman. One guy retired from football three years later after paying for it like a Division II school. That was it. That was, you want a more succinct case of you don't know what you're doing, picking and, and recruiting talent? There it goes. You got to go. I, that that just, that just boggles my brain, though. I'm just, I'm so, I don't understand because you were an offensive coach. Like, and that's what, like, that's what I was just saying about the quarterback. Like, your whole system is predicated on this. How did you not have a stable of these dudes? He didn't want his system to be predicated on that because he had been pigeonholed into, oh, you're the running offense guy. It's like, I could do more than but that. But it was working. Right. Who cares what people... It works, bro. That's like that's like that's like that's like Nick Saban saying, "Well, I ain't gonna coach defense because people say that's all I had. That's all I'm known for." And bro, and, so, and, and Nick Saban real. And so this is the one thing I will give absolute credit to Gus Malzahn is he realized I don't had a first clue what I'm doing as a defensive guy. Let me go try to get as good a defensive coordinator as I can, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make sure we give him all the money in the world. Overpay, if some would say. I mean, I don't know if you can overpay considering the defense is what saved your job for a couple of years. But overpay for the position really reset the market for a defensive coordinator. Him and between uh, what Dabo was doing in Clemson and what we were doing here at Auburn, we reset the coordinator market for defensive coordinators. Yes, we did. Right. Yes, we did. Right. Nobody was making that much much money as a DC until Auburn and Clemson started doing that. Right. Yeah. 
Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. But as you can see, and to your point, Ike, our defensive blue chip ratio, our, our blue chip ratio is heavily slanted towards the defensive side of the ball. We were able to recruit very well defensively and produce very well defensively. And it's right. partly because we were overpaying on the defensive side of the ball between not only the defensive coordinator and Kevin Steele, but also the assistant staff. He said, I need more. Hey, man, look, we had more assistants coming in for the secondary. So we had two secondary coaches instead of one. We had um, multiple guys at each level because it was deemed yeah. as valuable and that side was producing. So it makes complete sense. This number, it's... I understand, again, why people are down on us. It's because this number doesn't compare well to the numbers. We play Alabama every year. They're our main rival. And we look are— the, Look at the gap, though. 35 <laughs> full percentage points. No, not just—not between us and the top. I'm talking about, okay, so, like, between us and the next one, it's one. It's going up by four here between Penn State and um, Michigan— by one, by two, by one, by three, by two, by one, by six, three, then nine. Yeah. Yeah. Nine percent difference between Bama and number two. There mm-hmm. is no bigger gap anywhere else on this list than between one and two. 89 percent of your roster. Fours and fives. Yeah. Four and this stars is, and above. So this, this is where now... There's something to be said about... Oh, I wish Mike G was here because I know where we're about to go. Continue. About evaluation, right? About evaluation and getting your guys in. With this transfer cycle, so this was the most active transfer cycle we've seen ever this last offseason. We lost a lot. A lot of it was culture and fit. We saw a lot of places who were doing a lot of losing, lose a lot of talent. But we also saw Alabama lost a lot of talent in the transfer portal. All those guys didn't go to be the number one option on a team in the the Big Ten or Big Twelve who who hadn't had so much, some of these guys went down to like Group of Five. Alabama isn't hitting on every recruit that they land, but when you are recruiting at this percentage, right, right. Next up, oh, I'm I'm not getting the playing time I wanted. I'm out of here. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because we've got a guy just that we thought would be just as good. Because honestly. We are sitting here lamenting how, man, we missed out on this four-star. We lost a four-star to Florida State, or we lost a, a four-star to Tennessee, or whoever's getting um, the, the last few um, announcements. Nobody is hitting at a 100% clip on recruits. What's hurting us is that when we are getting recruits and that four-star doesn't pan, we've got very little talent behind them. That does make a difference. The way you shore that up is you make your twos and threes play like threes and fours, and some of your threes play like fives, development. And that's where we are strengthening significantly between the staff that we're assembling, the approach to uh, professional development, the scout that we just got in that's going to be in charge of, of our scouting nationwide. That is where we are shoring up, and that's why we have to shore up there. Because as you can see, the top dogs, 
We're out of their league recruiting right now. We, we, we are in that second tier of recruiting, as evidenced by being on the screen right here. The fact that yeah. we're on the screen means we can be competitive recruiting, but you have to hit for it to transfer on the field. So right. we weren't hitting enough, and we weren't developing the guys that were just the twos and threes. So the non-blue chips, we aren't making them better, but the blue chips were striking out. And that's how you get to the place we've been on the field the last few years. We've addressed one of those issues, which is, okay, if we're non-blue chips, we're not developing them, let's fix that. That's the easiest thing to fix because I don't have to convince a whole slew of new guys why we're the best place for them. I just need the staff that knows football and knows personnel to make the guys who are already here better. You bring them in, you construct a plan, you devise a, a strength and conditioning plan for them, a professional development plan for them. I need what exactly what Harson has done. I need to overhaul the staff all on the same page about what is going to make a player great at his position, who understands that, who is willing to buy in with, with my vision as a coach for how to get these guys there, and we can change all that over. Now, we have a plan in place to turn our non-blue chip recruits into guys who produce like blue chip recruits. Now, that's not going to show up on this, on this graph. That's not going to show up in these numbers, but that's where you make the first improvement, and we have. Now, something else that sticks out to me. <laughs> Clemson over the last four years has recruited middle of the pack if you're going to say blue chip recruits mm-hmm. 63% there are let me see Bama Ohio State Georgia and Clemson Clemson and LSU have won national championships since the playoff has been instituted five teams have won national championships Clemson has the lowest count and this is what was, was always impressive to me about what Dabo had going there defensively, he made sure that they were going to stay competitive because one guy, I got the guy who can keep us great defensively. Keep him. If he wants to leave, pay him more. Give him more control. Give him all the say on the defense. I don't even have to think about defense. I don't have to look that way. If I just got to come in and shake his hand and do a goofy little dance and a goofy outfit to close the deal, I will do it. I am Dabo. That's what I'll do. Cool. Venables, you got it. 63%. You know why that 63% allows them to win a couple championships? quarterback you hit on quarterback you in there yeah, i mean they simple. had some amazing receivers too but i mean they did. did they did yeah. yeah they did but the the success at quarterback really with deshaun watson allowed them to start recruiting better offensively because you could say oh no we got quarterback we got that down come on in and that fixes a lot of problems lsu they had a unreal wide receiver room when they won the championship in 2019 they've had unreal wide receiver rooms before though it was just Zach Medenberg throwing to Odell Beckham and um, Jarvis Landry. I mean, you was three yards in a cloud of dust, though, on the left. Yes, line. because yeah. they didn't. They, well, they still, didn't have the quarterback. I st- but I still don't understand how LSU was recruiting wide receivers that good, and they never threw the ball because they didn't you let did, certain didn't guys no get out of the house. Man, you didn't have anybody in that state. Also, right. they didn't. They didn't have anybody competing with them competitively. Recruiting the state of Louisiana is something that LSU has always been able to do, whether they are good or not, and that that's a credit to them. That that's a credit to them and and what a force they are in their their state because now there aren't that many football powerhouses in the state, or there aren't any outside of LSU really. So um, Tulane's not on the what? level. That's why that's why Georgia hates us so much. We go in the steel, because, some we do, but yeah, because they are the powerhouse in that state, but we routinely steal talent from them. Mm-hmm. Routinely. Right. Yeah. 
So we do. So quarterback here, here what you can see is that LSU and Clemson, the quarterback made all the difference for both of the championships for Clemson and for the championship for LSU. That was it. Almost entirely. Blue chip recruits, we're talking percentages of players all over the roster in all positions. If I swap out that one player, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson in those years, or um, Joe Burrow in 2019, they don't win championships. I, I am I was, 100% sure about that. 100%. I will say this. I will say this. Chase kind of alluded to it. I was already thinking it. The ACC championship did become the Clemson Invitational. It did. It absolutely did. It became the Clemson Invitational. Like it, it was. It was easy as long as. And I mentioned this before too, because you had Brent Venables. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, Clemson's offense was flat for a good part of the season. When they became a contender by the end of the season, when it came time for bowl season or playoff season, they had figured out all of the issues on that side of the field, but they had an amazing defense that bought them a lot of time to do just that. Yep. So they were legit by like the Bamas and the Ohio States by the time, but but week one, week two, week three, week four, several times, several years, I would say, man, Clemson looking kind of sus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They looking mad sus, but by the end of the year, Venables had bought him enough time to where they look like a well-oiled machine. And so that, I, and I think that's that's another thing, being in that conference and having that defensive coordinator in place is why Clemson was able to capitalize, given that they were in the middle of the pack. That's true. And that's something we also saw here when we were good offensively. 2013 comes to mind, 2017 comes to mind. If you don't have the studs everywhere, it's a process of development and building the habits in the offense. The coordinators and the staff have to find the guys and find the skill sets that they have that are going to let them thrive in the offense. It's a discovery process that has to happen when you don't have just studs everywhere. They have to learn how to be on field. Some guys get the first. Jackson is a perfect example of, I think if if his career ended in 2020, we would have said Chedrick was a very mediocre, middling wide receiver. I mean, you know, thank you for your service, but we need somebody better if his career ended then. Look what happened when you put a guy on the field, teach him a professional offense, and then give him an opportunity to thrive. He looked great. He was, to me, he was the most dependable wide receiver we had as we rounded out the end of the season. And he would have never gotten that opportunity. He would have been blocking his whole Auburn career under Gus, and we would have never known that he can do what he did the end of last year and what I expect him to do this season. This The low numbers, uh, as far as the percentages compared to the high percentages like Bama and Georgia, it means that you have to be able to find, evaluate. Not, not only do you have to evaluate and recruit and get them in, but you have to develop them. We couldn't develop anybody. But for the first time in a long time, I feel like we've got the opportunity to do that. And that's necessary if you're going to compete against those high 70s and low 80s and even high 80 teams in Bama. You have to be able to get it together. And, and that's, that's staff. That's coaching. That's the difference between why Miami is one step above us. But the last four years, what's has Miami been? They've been awful. They had some defensive, uh, some good defensive teams. Because I remember one time, they were, oh, they're back, they're back. They weren't really back because their offense was always going to be terrible. But they at least got some guys on the field. But did it um, amount to uh, team success? No, it didn't. Because they couldn't get a a formidable offense together out of the guys that they recruited. They never could. 
And the same thing for us. We we could not do it to save up Penn State. They're right there. They are right there on this list, and they're honestly they've been middling as well. They've been just right. as disappointing for the yeah. talent that they brought in as we have. Think about this: we were competing very a uh, very hotly contested game against Penn State. We were there on the goal line at the end of the game, and they were picked to do all this stuff. They had these high touted, highly touted recruits that they were supposed to blow us out, according to some people. They ended up what seven and six. The only difference between their season and our season is that, that they game. won that game. Yeah. That's it. Right. Except the prospects on Jim, if, ask James Franklin. Now he's, oh, he signed a lifetime contract the year before right. and all this stuff. And he was the uh, nod to get the USC job. Why? He, we're in the same boat. We're, we're almost the identical, the same identical program. But what you do with that talent makes a difference, man. That's why Penn State doesn't scare me. That's why, because I don't think that they have the coaches for it. You've been recruiting well, but what have you done with it? Nothing. Florida, same thing. You've been recruiting well. What have you done with it? Nothing. Cristobal has something going in Oregon, which is why he's at 60% on this list. He's at number 11. But offensively, they just couldn't do it, man. They, it, it, it's so rare to be able to take those that 55% to 60% mark and turn it into competitive with the people far above you. It, it's 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 coaching staff and development at that point, and getting them in here is only the first step. We got to be better than just getting them in here. We got to develop them into something significant. Before before we get to the the, the drawing, Ike, you prepared a second uh, graphic that kind of shows where we are. Given is the portal correct? Is it? Yeah, is it oh, well, no, yeah. F- this yeah this takes into effect how many people like transferred out of the program and all that kind of thing. So it takes like JUCO transfers, those sort of things as well. It doesn't so, go in with non JUCO transfers are not factored into this. Um, according to the article, they were saying that it's it's rare that a transfer player significantly impacts the outcome for any team to that level. Um, uh, you said they said rare. Yeah, it says I was about rare. To, say, to the Doesn't point happen, of being able to, to be able to compete nationally, they did point out the anomaly that was Cincinnati, right? Because Cincinnati yeah. got a bunch of guys in and they were able to get there, but then they face somebody who has a high blue chip ratio and they still get stomped, right? So um, it's it's just not it, it's it's rare that it's going to be a, a significant difference to a four team, according to the article. I don't know that I one hundred percent agree with that. Again, this isn't our stat, but right. um, you know. I mean, Joe Burrow is the shining example of yeah, okay. So let's look at let's look and see where where it puts us given the transfers. So, so yeah. Bama actually increased. Jeez, Louise. Uh-huh. Uh, Ohio State drops two percentage points. Georgia remained the same. Um, I think Oklahoma. that's the largest Ooh. drop outside of Miami. With yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. And Miami have the biggest drops. Yeah, um, a six percent, negative six percent. Um, A and M uh, drops one point. Texas drops one point. I mean, obviously for LSU, given the coaching uh, trend change, they drop a negative four percent. Uh, Clemson drops negative one. Um, Notre Dame drops negative one, which is, I mean, I guess that's, that's a pretty good impressive. Of that's pretty impressive considering yeah. considering uh, what they went through. I think it'll be interesting to see where Notre Dame ends up next year. Yeah. After yeah, a year sure. of the of the transition. Yeah. yeah so this this sure. takes into account the exits of the blue chips that you originally signed, but not the signees that were transfers that you brought in. 
Correct. Okay, so Correct. Unless there, it was a JUCO transfer. Right. So if it was JUCO, it counts as part of a signing class, and, and that's mm-hmm. in your signing class. So for that reason, it makes complete sense why Miami is not higher because they clean up in, in the transfer portal. So um, they, that will, they would probably be higher if that was accounted for. For us, and again, we, we so it looks like right now we end up at 50%, Miami's at 49%, but again, I don't think 49 is accurate for them. We would probably be 15th on this list still. If 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 this was ranked, because with the transfer ranking percentage, it's not reordered. They got the original order up here, but we would still be 15. And I, man, it's it's hard to be so sad about that because you say, oh, well, they lost this three star and four star and four star. Man, I think about Calvin Ashley, right? Five star offensive tackle who transferred from here, transferred again, ended up at Florida A&M. And he his his eligibility is is done for college. I don't know if he's on a roster. I think he's actually in the what's the the football league that just ended because Birmingham won it. USFL. Yeah, I, I think he's in the USFL. I'm not sure. But like, look at that. He he didn't contribute significantly at any power in a Division One school ever. Yeah. A five star signee. Now, what would our our ranking have been that year if you take a five star? They weighted heavily. You're dropping like three ranking spots if you remove a five-star. And he did nothing for us. He did absolutely nothing for us. Byron Coward did nothing for us. Uh, we, we've lost things, and this looks like, oh, man, y'all have done bad. Y'all go down four percentage points. Like, yeah, but there are guys who left here who aren't even at a program. All right. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much to make of this, man. As long as the staff is turning the guys who are still here and the guys who came in into competent, Football players, we just got to get on the field and see what we got. And I think, and, and to, to something we've said, we got to show, we got to show and prove on the field because yeah. I think a lot of people are in wait and see mode because I think this staff can get to where they're attracting four stars, even a fi- an occasional five star here and there. But see, those guys are going to situations that are a lot more certain. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at some of the you, you look at some of the you know I, I get it FSU is, has not been impressive, but when you look at schools like Ohio State, a Georgia, a Bama, these these are more they're more of a known. Yep. And even though I believe we have a coaching staff that that understands and emphasizes development and have things in places that gives these kids on our roster more hope, more po- being more positive. We still have to see the results on the field. And I think that's what recruits are looking at moving forward. And so if we can show that we can do something with our talent moving forward, I think that takes care of the recruits. So we're in a wait and see mode.